Welcome back to another Beach Cop Detectives interview with the writers, cast, and crew of Terriers. This time out, we're talking to Nick Griffin, one of the writers on Terriers. In this interview, we talk about memories of the writer's room, the great Michael Gaston playing the sinister Ben Zeitlin, the decisions that led to that memorable finale, among a lot of other things. So sit back and enjoy this interview with Nick Griffin, one of the writers on Terriers. I am talking today with Nick Griffin, one of the writers from Terriers. Nick, hi. Good to talk to you. Hey, great to talk to you. Thank you so much. So I always like to open these interviews by asking a similar question, which is six years down the road now, what are your thoughts and memories from Terriers? Wow. It it is beginning to recede, but they're all good. I mean, at some point, I kind of forget just how much work went into it and how many long hours of sweat and toil and in some cases panic went into (laughs) what are we going to do? Because it really was like, I came on about halfway through. And from then on, for those three or four months, whatever it was, it was like being underwater. It was just completely immersive. And so I I do remember a, a lot of hard work. But other than that, I just remember all those people and how phenomenal they were, how well they worked together, how everybody was so in sync with what we were doing and, and cared so much. So I I really just look back at it as a, as a great time the first time, the only time I've done television and just to, to that community of people working together to do something they that they really cared about is what I what I remember. So I've gotten something of a picture of the writing room from previous interviews, but can you tell me your impressions, what you remember about that room? Oh, I can I can remember it vividly. Uh, <laughs> what do I remember about it? I remember Tim Lanier sitting at the head of that long table. I remember everybody sort of having their own chairs staked out and Ned in the corner transcribing everything and the the critical decision of the day being what were we going to order for lunch (laughs) and then beyond that it was just a lot of sort of staring at each other going well what's what happens now and then Tim would would break that up with cigarette breaks Um, (laughs) he was incorrigible in those days so it, it was just it was just a lot of hours it was it was that kind of breaking a story is just tough you know working in a in a quarry kind of work. And it's a lot of looking at each other and a lot of taking breaks and laughing and and just being patient. So I really just, I can just close my eyes and and visualize that table with, you know, Feet and John Worley and Angela and Jed and and Kelly Wheeler being there and and just all sort of being with each other for, for many, many hours every week trying to figure out where this thing should go. Do you remember what episode you guys were on when you, when you joined the room? I think I came in right around the fifth inning or so. I think it, I don't remember the exact, I think it was something to do with them. There was, I came in when they were working on the show with a kid with amnesia or something like that. So it okay. might have been the fifth, sixth, seventh episode somewhere in there. And then the first episode you're credited on is, is Asunder, which is right. kind of a turning point episode. For one thing, it introduced Laura Ross. Can you talk about the development of that character? I know that the critical decision, because that episode is where the, the whole Montague conspiracy comes back into play again, having been kind of set aside for a few episodes. And so the big decision is, what's the last act of this whole show going to be? And certainly, I don't think it was my decision. I was not part of the decision that said, yes, we're going to go back to the Montague and continue with that. But I do remember sitting down to watch some episodes with Ted. And when Michael Gaston came on as Zeitlin, I just said, wow, who's that guy? He's sensational. He's, you know, just that just that great sort of, this is so evil, but very courtly and very charming and wanting to help out Hank. And I thought, this guy is great. I would love to write for him. And Ted said, yeah, yeah, he's really good. We've got to have him back. So I think from there, that gradually the decision 
was made that, yeah, we had to go back and, and close out that early story. And I really don't remember, to tell you the truth, how we figured that Laura Ross and that there would be a reporter, but I think it was just one of those things where talking it out and talking it out, that was sort of the, the way in. Sure, to go back to, to go back to the Montague and, and give... To go back to the Montague and that, and that we would introduce a new character who, I can't remember if we said, well, he, she might end up being a love interest for Hank or she might not, but that she would be the catalyst toward him getting back involved. Somebody he, he could then be protective of was, I think, one of the one of the key elements of it. Do you remember, this wasn't in Asunder, it was later, but do you remember when the decision was made to kill off Jason? I think it was probably made a day or two before we actually did it. Um, <laughs> we were, we were so, we were, he never had a chance. I mean, there was no, there was no time to even really reconsider that kind of a decision. It was, um, it was, uh, it was second degree murder because we really didn't have any, there was no planning involved. I think it was just, we knew we were racing toward the finish line and it was a very kind of improvisational thing. And I don't remember who, who came up with that idea, but I think we, everybody, somebody felt that there had to be some big moment that would really put these guys into motion and, and make things serious. Well, it's interesting you say that because when I was talking with Tim and a couple other people, they mentioned that I believe uh, Since the Past was, was it filmed in six days? What written in six days, was it? It was it was like you guys were running out of time and you had to put it together. And then I think maybe the last three episodes, you guys were, were maybe rushing toward the finish, but it all comes together so well. Sins of the Past is Tim's episode, right? Yes. Yeah. I don't know how that one was written. I don't I don't I I I don't know how he works. He's very secretive. So <laughs> um he, he you know, he could have been writing it all his life or he might have written it in a couple of hours. I I, I suspect that he I, I'm not sure what his process is, but yeah, we were by by that point we were really it was kind of an all hands on deck situation where we were really trying to figure out what was a what was the solution to this mystery going to be? How were we going to resolve things so that we closed out all of the threads that we had ended up getting these guys into? And it was tricky. It was a tough nut to crack. Along those lines, uh, you're one of the writers credited on the finale, Hail Mary. Can you mm-hmm. talk about some of that? What you remember about writing it, and some of the stuff that you guys knew was important to sort of sew up as you as you went into the finale. Yeah, well, we knew there needed to be sort of an, another layer beyond beyond merely Zeitlin, so that there would be some other character out, out there who was sort of silently manipulating all of this stuff. We knew we had to resolve. Well, there, you know, there are really two two threads to it. There's the mystery, and how are we going to resolve the mystery so that it is satisfying and believable? And then how are we going to resolve the issues with these two guys, which seem to be just as important as as the, the plot? was how are these two guys going to end up? Was Britt going to go to jail? Was he not going to go to jail? Was he going to end up with Katie? And how was Hank ever going to get over all of his stuff? And so we didn't have a lot of time. My my recollection is that it kind of boiled down to just a few of us. I do remember one meeting up at Ted's house. I think it was Sean and Tim and me and Ted. And I think Kelly Wheeler was there to sort of run interference, and John Worley helped on that episode as well. But it really came down to what what are we going to do? And I there was about five five or ten minutes of there where we just sat silently and looked at each other, <laughs> not really knowing. And it was it was just a lot of digging, trying to see what fit where, and it was a lot of hard work. Um, I don't think that there, there was ever sort of a aha moment where everything fell into place. Mm-hmm. It just kind of kept changing and kept changing and kept changing until it became something that made sense. We knew we had to have some kind of a violent confrontation with Burke because that that seemed to be required. 
and we needed to have a, some sort of a moment where the entire scope of the conspiracy was re- revealed. And then I, I assume it was Ted that came up with this. I thought it was terrific. Just the, the thing of Mickey's, the evidence, uh, the evidence having been in his jacket in Hank's attic the, the entire time, I thought was very elegant and that, that the answer to it had been around all along and they're just, who would have thought to look there? We, and we knew we had, to, of course, we had, to, we wanted to bring back Stephanie and we wanted to bring back the daughter and all those kinds of things. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things that I think that makes Terrier is one of these. There's, there's many sort of brilliant one and done seasons. There's a lot of like prestige TV that you want to go back and watch. But one of the things that can really hurt a TV show's legacy is a week finale or a week later season. Terrier's that mm-hmm. finale is such a button on what the show is that anytime anyone is shows reluctance when I tell them they should watch it, they're like, well, didn't it get canceled? Does it, does it kind of wrap up? I'm like, no, it's a, it's a perfect ending. It's, it's an ending. You could have gone on from there, but it is definitely like, it feels like the button on the show. Everything really came together in that finale. And along those lines, I do want to ask a question about the finale since you were one of the writers and I will not hold you to this answer as I've promised everyone I've asked, but do you think Hank took Brit to jail or to Mexico? <laughs> I, I would love to think of a, some kind of a, a clever yet politic way to answer that. I think it's pretty clear what happens. It's one of those things that once you answer it, it kind of loses its the magic. So I, I might just put you off and say <laughs> I, I've never, I've, I've frankly never really answered it for myself. I mean, I know the obvious answer. That's the, the sort of the the pleasure of it is that you know every, we're all confronted at times in our lives where we could go one way or another, and one way is the responsible and the clear choice and the other is sort of a fantasy and where do you want to live your life? You kind of want to live in between sometimes or be able to go back and forth and you can't, you can only do everything once, but thank you. I mean, I'm, I'm very proud of that last scene. We got in some ways lucky and unlucky because it felt like it was going to be a, a season finale and it was a series finale. So it, as with anything, I think we worked Ted and I really, really hard on all of the different beats in that scene, in that last act uh, as well. And then we just kind of, the guys really acted it well. They understood it. And we got lucky, I guess, as well. You mentioned Michael Gaston and writing for Zeitland. Did you have any favorite characters that you got to write for or favorite characters you would have liked to have written more for? Oh, God, yeah. Um, I mean, I loved, I loved Gaston. He was a great guy, great actor, just was terrific. I, I loved writing for the two guys. I just thought, you know, Donal and, and Mike were in sync. And I saw, you know, from the pilot, I understood the sense of humor right away because it's Ted's sense of humor. And I, I have known Ted for a while. So um, <laughs> I was able to slip into it very quickly. But I, you know, one of the, when we finished, we sort of sat down and thought, who are all the actors that we like or, you know, that we would want to bring in for a second season? What are all the things we could do? And so I really regret that some of those possibilities never got a chance to be to get played out. And I liked writing for the women, quite frankly. I remember being very happy with the final scene with Gretchen, mm-hmm. uh, where he offers her the house. I think I did a lot of a lot of good work on that. But I thought this was a show that it clearly was about the two guys and it had a very, very kind of, you know, a masculine energy to it. But I thought that the women were were pretty well represented. They had their own points of view and their own things that they were doing, and, and they were not sort of just adjuncts. And so I like that about it. Every character in this, from the smallest on up to the, to the main characters, really came to life. Uh, I think you guys did a phenomenal job with that. Thank you. Well, that's, that's all I've got for you today. I, I want to thank you for uh, reaching out and being able to do the interview with me. 
Very happy to. Thank you for doing the podcast. It's, it's great to know that there are people still out there that, are, that care about the show. And hopefully hopefully more every day. I'm really trying to get that movie made. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> Thank you very much, Nick. Sure. Beach Cop Detectives is an independently run podcast co-produced by Randy Lander and Grant Davis from the TV Dudes and part of the Permanent Record Network. Music for this series includes the surf music tracks Happy and Whimsical by Paul Tyann. To hear more of his work, go to soundcloud.com slash Paul Tyann. Artwork for the show is by Nate Bliss. You can find him at n8bliss-art.tumblr.com. You can like us on Facebook at Beach Cop Detectives and on Twitter at Beach Cop Podcast. You can hear weekly TV commentary by Randy and Grant at thetvdudes.com. Thanks for listening.